0: Welcome to episode 3 of Skinner Sports Network. Now today we are going to be covering the week 15 action in the NFL. Then we're going to head over to the NBA and cover the Draymond Green situation. Crazy situation in Golden State right now. And then we're going to head on over to Alabama where Jalen Milrow has committed to play in the 2024 college football season. He's going to play his senior year. But first let's head over to to week 15 NFL action. Now in this first segment, we're going to stick to covering the 7 and 6 teams in the NFL all fighting for a playoff spot. I think the first important game to cover here is the Colts versus Steelers that is going to be 4:30 on NFL Network. It is a part of a three-game triple header on NFL Network. Now the Colts Steelers game, that is going to be the most important game to watch for playoff purposes. The Colts are 7-6. The Steelers are 7-6 heading into this game. A lot of important things to watch in this game. You have Mitchell Trubisky versus Gardner Minshew. Now let's see how these two offenses perform because let's break it down here. You have Josh Downs, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, possibly Jonathan Taylor if he's healthy for Saturday. I've seen that he was questionable, possibly could play this game. You have Zach Moss. You really can't overlook this Colts offense because they really do have the skill position players around Gardner Minshew. It almost was a different game when rookie Anthony Richardson could have played in this game, but he went out for the beginning of the season due to his shoulder. And since then, Gardner Minshew has been the quarterback. And you look over at the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, it is just a struggle. No Kenny Pickett. He had the ankle surgery. And now you look at their skill position players. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin. There is a lot of talent there at that skill position. Oh, and don't forget the tight ends for these teams too. You got Pat Fryermuth for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mo Ali cox for the Colts. Now, it's going to come down to the quarterback play for both the Colts and the Steelers. Which quarterback is going to perform? Personally, these two quarterbacks have both gone different ways. Gardner Minshew, he's not afraid to throw the ball, sling it. He does have his turnovers, his sloppy play sometimes. But he's really not afraid to make the plays that are needed to win games. And Mitchell Trubisky, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just think he needs to come out from the jump and play. Like he was the number two overall pick for the Chicago Bears still blows my mind that he was the number two overall pick ahead of Mahomes and Watson. He just shouldn't have been a number two overall pick. But it was a different time for the Chicago Bears when they did their scouting. So Mitch Trubisky, as long as he comes out, plays turnover-free football, and the Steelers can run the ball, that should work out for the quarterback play. But this game will come down to the quarterback play. Because both the defenses for this team will show up. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith were both cleared out of concussion protocol so that's good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense those are their two key players that can cause havoc Mika Fitzpatrick absolutely being a beast and playing through a broken hand he just cast it up and just goes out there and plays football what a guy now the defenses you got Kenny Moore for the Colts secondary they have Zaire Franklin at linebacker, a couple of their key players. The defenses are going to show up for both these teams. It's all going to come down to which offense is going to perform better. But here's the bad news about this matchup: is whatever team loses, they're going to be on the outside looking in. Unfortunately, only one team is going to be able to make it out and have the rest of their season be saved. And the Colts win; they'll move to eight and six, and the Pittsburgh Steelers will be on the outside looking in. The Steelers win, it'll be the same situation, but the Colts will be looking uh, inside from the outside. And one team that loses this game will be just done for the season. And that's that's not something you want to look at, especially when you've had a pretty solid season up to this point. Because the thing about the AFC this year is you need 10 wins to make it and be secured. 9-8 and eight seasons aren't just going to cut it this year. The AFC is 10 deep, 10 deep, because the Bills are the outside looking in right now. The Cincinnati Bengals are outside looking in. They're in a must-win situation. So it's really going to depend in this Colts-Steelers game which offense is going to show up and what team wants it more. What team is going to go all out and be like, we want to be 8-6 and, and fighting for that playoff spot. And that is going to be what happens in this game at 4-30, Now taking a look at the other game that has some impact not just on the AFC but on the NFC too is the 7-6 Denver Broncos taking on the 9-4 Detroit Lions. That is going to be the nightcap 8-15 on NFL Network. The Broncos are going to need to win this game. It is a must win for them. Russell Wilson has been looking good since the Miami Dolphins game. He's really shown why he was traded for, and I think Sean Payton has done a really great job with the Denver Broncos turning them around. They had Nathaniel Hackett last year. That experiment just didn't work out. Sean Payton came in. It didn't start out pretty, but it is coming to life. It really is. The defense has been locked down. You got guys like Pat Sertain, and you just got key players playing really great and that's good for the Denver Broncos. They're really turning their season around since that Dolphins game. And this is going to be a must win for the Denver Broncos. Because if you lose this game, again, it's going to be like the loser of the Colts-Steelers game. You're going to be on the outside looking in. And season is just going to be in the air, question marks. Because I'm going to repeat myself on this. But 10 wins is going to get you into the playoffs in the AFC. The 7th seed possibly could be 9-8. and eight. But I think it's going to be 10 wins that get you into the AFC playoffs just because of how deep the AFC is this year. Now, this isn't related to the 7-6 and six teams, but I think this is going to be a must win for the Detroit Lions too. You're fighting for the one seed in the NFC to have that by. They lost to the Chicago Bears 28-13. And you just need to come back and make a response after that terrible defeat. They lost a the turnover battle, two interceptions thrown by Jared Goff, and a fumble lost in that game. I think the Bears have a shot to make the playoffs after beating the Lions. That was embarrassing for the Lions to lose. It's not something that the Lions needed in their season. They have the 49ers to compete with. They have the Cowboys slash Eagles to compete with because the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be fighting for the NFC East. So they got that to take care of. The Denver Broncos are going to need to win this week if they want to keep competing in this heavyweight championship AFC where you're going to need to get 10 wins. And the Denver Broncos have shown as of recently, they're a team you don't want to mess with right now. Lockdown defense, offense is coming together through Cortland Sutton. He's been playing really great after the Dolphins game and as the season's gone on. Cortland Sutton has been the guy this year in Denver. It should be Jerry Judy, but it looks like Cortland Sutton has become Russell Wilson's guy, and it seems like that's working out for him, and that's good to see Cortland Sutton succeeding in this system with Sean Payton. Cortland Sutton has been an underrated receiver for a while, but it seems like he's getting his shine now with Russell Wilson throwing him some good balls, and Cortland Sutton has made some crazy catches for a touchdown, toe-tapping in the end zone, and making contested catches for touchdowns. It seems like he's come out this year and played some of his best football in his career so far. And that's good to see for Cortland Sutton. Now, covering the other seven and six teams in the AFC, you have the Texans versus the Titans 1 p.m. on CBS. I think that's going to be an interesting game. C.J. Stroud is doubtful for that game after the injury reports came out today. So it looks like Davis Mills is going to have that start so the Texans behind Mills is going to need to win this game because if they don't then Stroud is going to have to really come back after clearing concussion protocol and have to will the team on his back so this is a must win for the Texans every game here for these seven and six teams is a must win and if you don't that can really shake some things up an- another good example is Cincinnati. They're pacing the uh, Minnesota Vikings 1 p.m. on NFL Network, and that's going to be a must win for Cincinnati. They got Jake Brown in a quarterback who seemed to find his way around the NFL and seems comfortable. He's got Jamar Chase. T. Higgins is now back. You have Tyler Boyd he can throw to. Joe Mixon has come on the past two weeks and started to play some strong football, which is good to see. They have Chase Brown, who they drafted. In the past draft, he had a great game. Indianapolis Colts took a tough loss last week. That's why they're in the position they are now, fighting against the Pittsburgh Steelers for a playoff spot. But for the Cincinnati Bengals to succeed, they need to run the ball between Brown and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon should be their guy in the backfield that gets the heavy carries to help run the ball and open up the offense for Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, So that should help their offense as long as they start running the ball. And it can allow Browning to keep up his consistently good performances. So the Broncos, the Bengals, the Texans, the Steelers and the Colts. Now I'm forgetting to mention one team because you got the Bills. We're still sitting outside the playoffs right now. And they got a great matchup this week. I'm going to cover more of that later in the podcast in my key matchups my three key matchups for nfl sunday football but the bills are gonna need to win out to have a shot at possibly their division if miami starts to slow down but most importantly they need to focus on winning out winning games so if they don't win their division they're in the playoffs they're still outside the playoffs due to tiebreakers But they need to win this week against a great Cowboys team right now. The Cowboys have played some of their best football right now. They look great. So the Bills, they're playing the Dallas Cowboys 425 on Fox. So that should be a great game. And the Bills are going to need to win because if not, they might officially be out after this week. If not officially, they are going to need to win out if they lose this game and need some extra stuff to happen. So between the Colts, Steelers, Bills, Broncos, Bengals, and Texans, those are six, seven, and six teams that are all going to be fighting for wild card spots because the Browns right now are eight and five and they have the fifth seed. So there's only two spots left right now, unless the Browns just plateau and fall off if Joe Flacco doesn't perform after the pass game against the Jaguars. But right now there is only two. AFC wildcard spots so for the Colts, Steelers, Bills, Broncos, Bengals, and Texans they're all going to need to lock in this week and must win if they want a shot unfortunately like I say the Colts and the Steelers if one team loses and the other wins they're in the same situation Colts win they're more locked in more in a better position than the Pittsburgh Steelers if the Steelers win The Colts are in the outside looking in. So that is going to be the game that determines what 7-6 and teams look like after this week. So I'm going to take a quick break. But that is a quick breakdown of the 7-6 and teams. I thought it would be interesting to look at considering there were 6. So stay tuned as we cover some more Week 15 NFL action. It's going to be great to watch this weekend as there is a lot of playoff scenarios and just a lot to look forward to. So we are going to continue the NFL action week 15 right after this quick break. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Skinner Sports Network. Now, we're going to keep continuing the coverage of Week 15 NFL action, but this time we are going to focus on the top three matchups on Sunday that we are all looking forward to. Now, starting with number one, this is a great game to watch because it is two great teams. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Baltimore Ravens squaring off on Sunday Night Football at 8.20 p.m. Now, the number one matchup to look at is how will Trevor Lawrence look? He recently got injured in that crazy Bengals-Jaguars game on Monday Night Football. He came back last week against the Cleveland Browns, and he looked good, but he didn't look that great. He threw three interceptions against the Cleveland Browns, so it looked like he struggled with the pressure. Obviously, he had some limited movement after his injury against the Bengals on monday night football i was surprised quite frankly when he decided that he was going to play the week after that injury because it looked like he got himself good on the ankle but it seemed like he was like i'm fine so he seems like he knows his health because last week against the cleveland browns he was 28 for 50 he had 257 passing yards he threw the three touchdowns But he threw the three interceptions, which didn't help. And he was sacked four times, which doesn't help either. So that could help you throw three interceptions because of the pressure. You get sacked a couple times as a quarterback. You start running around for your life, especially when the protection doesn't hold up for long. And you're running around. The Cleveland Browns this year have been a really great defense, especially at home. They've played their best. So the Cleveland Browns really had an impact on... Trevor Lawrence and I think the Baltimore Ravens, you want to look at their defense. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith at linebacker, two great linebackers on the inside that can get you going. You have Marlon Humphrey, you have Kyle Hamilton, you have Geno Stone. Just a lot of great players on that Baltimore Ravens defense. And I think they can cause pressure. They also have Jadavion Clowney coming off the edge and Owe. And the pressure for Trevor Lawrence is going to be there. Just hopefully he can play better. Trevor Lawrence is going to need to step up in this game because the Jaguars are fighting for top four seeding in the AFC playoffs. So that is going to be important to watch how Trevor Lawrence performs because if he can help the Jaguars be the two seed or the three seed, that's better than being the four seed because getting a two or three seed, you, you have a more favorable matchup. Because sometimes the 5 seed, especially in a 4v5 matchup, the 5th seed can be really tough to play against because they were the best wild card team. And most times, wild card teams in general just get their stuff together. And it's a tougher matchup when you get the 5th seed or the 6th seed wild card team. So you might want to try to shoot for the 2 seed. And then when you look at the Ravens, they're also battling in the AFC for top four seeding they're trying to hold off the Cleveland Browns possibly the Pittsburgh Steelers for the division they have 10 wins this season so the Baltimore Ravens are going to need to keep playing their best football so they can win the division and get the one seed the Miami Dolphins lost on Monday Night Football in a disaster of an ending for Miami against the Tennessee Titans they lost after being up by two scores so the Dolphins The Chiefs aren't looking that great this year. So the Baltimore Ravens, if they can win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are a top four seed out of all the division winners, they are going to be looking pretty. They're going to be sitting there pretty in the one seed, having the bye week, and it will be great to have rest that one week in the AFC playoffs as you're waiting to see who you'll face. So the Baltimore Ravens, they need to continue playing their best offense, and Their offense has been starting to cook. You have Odell and Zay Flowers who have picked it up a little bit. You have Odell in the past two games, 131 receiving yards and a touchdown. Zay Flowers has been used in multiple different ways. He's been able to rush on the end of rounds and the Jets sweeps. He even got a touchdown against the Chargers in that game to seal the game. And he has 85 receiving yards. As much as that doesn't jump off the page, he's got two receiving touchdowns. He has a rushing rushing touchdown. So for Zay Flowers and Odell to get them going, that'll also help Rashad Bateman get some better matchups. And then you look at the Baltimore Ravens rushing game. Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, Justice Hill. That is four great runners. Now Lamar he tries to stay in the pocket and rush when he can but Lamar is a great scramble quarterback he knows when to go and Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, Justice Hill they are very fast runners especially running downhill. The Baltimore Ravens are a great team when running downhill. It will be interesting to see as the season finishes up and heads into the prime time of the season how the offense will continue to thrive without Mark Andrews who is lost for the season Mark Andrews is such a key piece for the Baltimore Ravens so it'll be interesting to see what they're going to look like without Mark Andrews so that is how I'm looking at this Jaguars Baltimore Ravens game on Sunday Night Football 8 20 p.m. those are just some good things to look at as you look at how the AFC is looking right now, especially as the Jaguars and the Ravens are fighting for top positioning in the AFC. And the AFC is very competitive this year. So that will wrap that up for that matchup. As we head into the second matchup, you got the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Browns. That is going to be a 1 p.m. game on CBS. And here's a couple things to look at for this game. Especially for both offenses, I know the Bears defense is going to try to bring it with their players like Jaquan Brisker, you have Kyle Gordon, Jalen Johnson who requested a trade at the trade deadline but he still plays elite and it looks like the Browns are still going to play their Great defense as always the Cleveland Browns that are at home as when their defense has been the best is at home. They are stingy at home, not letting offenses get going. So that's a great sign for the Browns. The Browns and the Bears defenses will play their best game and try to keep their offense in the game, which brings us to our two matchups to look at when looking at the quarterbacks. And number one is, can Joe Flacco continue his dominance? Now looking at the past two games against the Jaguars, he threw for a 311 yards, 26 of 45, three touchdowns and an interception. And then against the Rams, he threw for 254 yards, 23 of 44, two touchdowns and an interception. Now, as a grand total, that means he's thrown for 565 yards, 49 of 89, which is 55% of his passes complete, five touchdowns, two interceptions. That touchdown to interception ratio is great for the Cleveland Browns. He might throw a stupid pick, but if Joe Flacco can play turnover-free football or play smart football at least and keep his team in the game, the Browns are going to continue to play great on offense. Now their offense consists of some solid weapons. You look at the wide receivers, you got Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, Marquise Goodwin, and David Bell. That's a solid wide receiver core, and Joe Flacco will know how to work with something like that. And then, looking at the tight ends, you have Ninjoku, you got Bryant, Jordan Atkins, a solid tight end core, too. And then, looking at the running backs, you have Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, and Kareem Hunt, three solid backs, too. And this Cleveland Browns offense has weapons. They might not be the big names you're expecting, They got Amari Cooper, which is wide receiver one. But people seem to overlook Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, Marquise Goodwin. You just can't overlook them because with a veteran quarterback like Joe Flacco, this isn't Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's Joe Flacco, a veteran with experience who helped the Jets last season. And... He might have not played well at points with the Jets but so far with the Cleveland Browns he seems to have fit this system, played his best football and he looks good and he's playing with some solid players and Joku had a great game last week and that's great for the Cleveland Browns when your tight end can get going. It really can open up your offense, and for Ninjoku to get going, it can open opportunities for Amari Cooper, for Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, and Marquise Goodwin, and that can really help the run game continue its dominance with Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, and Kareem Hunt. So looking at the Cleveland Browns, their offense can be dominant. You have a great offense to help your amazing defense, and when you have balance as a football team, you are hard to stop. If they can go from 8 to 5 to 9 and 5, you are really put some pressure on on the Baltimore Ravens who have 10 wins right now and they're facing a key matchup in the Jacksonville Jaguars and if Cleveland can win and you have the Ravens lose, that's some pressure on the Baltimore Ravens and then the Cleveland Browns can have a shot at the division. They have the Pittsburgh Steelers lurking a little bit the Pittsburgh Steelers are seven and six and they have their key matchup with the Indianapolis Colts and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the AFC North as all those teams are above 500 two of them are seven and six in the Bengals and the Steelers the Browns have control of the number two spot in the AFC North at eight and five but if you can get to nine and five and put some pressure on the Baltimore Ravens you are going to be looking good Now, to bring me to the Chicago Bears, this is where you look at their quarterback and Justin Fields. Justin Fields came back from injury, and he looked quite solid against the Detroit Lions. And I know his completion percentage this game doesn't jump off the page. He was 19 of 33 passing. He threw for 223 yards, which is great football for Justin Fields. And, you know... He had some really good wide receiver help from D.J. Moore, 10 targets, 6 receptions, 68 yards, and a touchdown. He also got a touchdown on the ground with 3 rushes of 20 yards, and he got a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. So when you can have D.J. Moore be that wide receiver one, getting opportunities receiving and rushing, it helps guys like Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney get some opportunities Now, Darnell Mooney, he had seven targets, got two receptions for 44 yards. You'd like to see him catch some more of those targets and really put his stamp on the game. But Cole Komet played solid. He also got seven targets, only missed two of the targets. He hauled in five receptions for 66 yards, which is great play for a tight end. Like I said with the Cleveland Browns, get your tight ends in the game, especially when you have a young, great tight end and Cole Komet who has been pretty solid this season. I think with the Browns and the Bears, they have two good tight ends in Njoku and Cole Komet. And that will be great to see how defenses handle a tight end like Komet and Ninjoku. And you'd like to see Justin Fields play even better this next game and really get back on his feet. You'd like to see the line protect for him. And you just want to see... The Bears succeed because when it comes to this offseason, if Justin Fields has this one great game and then dips off, you're going to have quarterback questions going into the NFL draft. And as you're holding the number one pick as the Chicago Bears, you are going to have some quarterback questions. If Justin Fields does not perform the rest of the season, then you might look at Caleb Williams, Drake May. But if you can have Justin Fields play great, then you can go out and get someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. And then get another offensive lineman to build around Justin Fields. So I think it's important to see how Justin Fields performs. Because if he can perform, you're really looking good. Especially for the Chicago Bears. You have a team that just beat the 9-3 Detroit Lions who were trying to go to 10 wins. And they upset the Detroit Lions. 28-13, and they're 5-8. and eight. That might not say playoffs, but they are in the playoff race in a, not weak NFC, but in a NFC where the wild card positions are open this year. And if Fields can come back and get the Bears to a 9-8 and eight record, Chicago Bears can make it to the playoffs. And I think it's important to see how Justin Fields plays considering the Bears hold two... Top five picks, top ten picks, and that's where the pressure really lies. So that's really how you can look at the Chicago Bears-Cleveland Browns game. It's a 1 p.m. game, and it will be a great game to watch considering how these two teams have a situation. You got the Chicago Bears trying to get a wild card spot from being 5-8 and eight, to the Cleveland Browns looking to try to get the division At 9-5, it is very reachable, especially if the Baltimore Ravens, just the dominance comes to a screeching halt. So that will be an interesting game to look at. Now heading to the third game, I briefly mentioned this when talking about the 7-6 teams. It is the Bills and Cowboys. This is going to be America's Game of the Week on Fox 425 p.m., You're going to have the Bills and Cowboys, Dak versus Josh Allen, which should be exciting. And I'm going to highlight them because I think it's important to look at. Dak versus Josh Allen. Which quarterback has more to lose? Look at Dak Prescott, 10-3, first in the NFC East after beating the Philadelphia Eagles in a dominating win. So you got that to look at. You're competing with the Eagles for the division. So you can't really have a loss right now because you got the Eagles nipping at you and then after that you're trying to compete for the one seed in the NFC because you got the 49ers to compete with you have the Eagles lurking behind you and you got the Detroit Lions lurking behind you they're nine and four but a win this week and a couple losses from the Eagles and the Cowboys and the 49ers and the Lions are back in and then, right now, you're looking at playing the Packers in the wild card game. And if you can play the Packers, especially if you don't get the one seed, that is a great matchup for you because the Packers don't have the juice like that compared to the Dallas Cowboys. You have Dak Prescott, you have CeeDee Lamb, you have Tony Pollard, you have the guys on offense and the great guys on defense like Parsons. You got Gilmore, you got Bland, you got Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence. And you have the guys. So if you don't make it to the one seed because stuff happens and the 49ers compete, continuing to be good, you're looking at playing the Packers in the wild card right now, which is very favorable. But if you're Dak Prescott, you want to go into this game and say, I want to win this and be at that one spot possibly as the postseason comes. But you look at Josh Allen. The spotlight is on Josh Allen. He has a 7-6 team. They are 10th in the AFC still. They had a bunch of terrible tiebreakers. And the spotlight is going to be on Josh Allen. Just because if he can win out and the Dolphins fall, you could possibly be in the playoffs. Not by the wild card, but by winning your division because... The Dolphins fell apart, you won out, and now you're in the playoffs. So if Josh Allen can really focus this game, he can give his team a chance at the playoffs. If not in the division, he needs to win out. So if stuff happens in front of them with the wild card, like some of these teams, the Texans, the Steelers, the Colts, they all fall out because of inconsistent play, you're looking great. And maybe you can have a shot at the NFL MVP if Josh Allen Wills his team to the playoffs. I think that could be a strong MVP consideration if Josh Allen brings his Buffalo Bills to the playoffs. Because at some point, when they were six and six, five and six, a lot of people were like, "Ah, Josh Allen ain't gonna bring them to the playoffs." So if you're seven and six, win out. You're looking great, and Josh Allen can be a dark horse for MVP as much as people are not going to give him credit. I think that's MVP discussion worthy. And also, I think what also is on the shoulders of Josh Allen is what are you going to do if you lose out? Where is the pressure going to aim? Is it going to go to Sean McDermott? Is it going to go to Josh Allen? So it will be an interesting situation to look at. I think the Bills have more to lose this game Because if you don't win, you're sitting at 7-7 in your season will possibly and most likely be done unless the Bengals lose, you have the Steelers or Colts lose. You're really going to need some things to happen if you fall to 7-7. And I think Josh Allen needs to come out after a solid win against the Chiefs and really just keep continue the building of what you got going on In Buffalo right now, it's important to see what they got going on because if Josh Allen can will his team to the playoffs, I think the Bills can have a good shot at possibly going to the Super Bowl if they can sneak into the playoffs. The AFC, as interesting as it is with the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, I think Buffalo, if they can make it in, they have a good shot for once this year as the Chiefs don't look dominant. The Chiefs have stood in the way of the Buffalo Bills making it to a Super Bowl. They've gotten unlucky like the 13 seconds the Chiefs score a game winner and it really just crushes Josh Allen to keep losing in these defeating ways. So if he can get in this year, I think this is his best shot in his career to make it to a Super Bowl. But I think what's going to happen in this game is it's going to also come down to the defense You have the Cowboys, as I mentioned. They got Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland. They have Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence as their key players on defense. As they had a dominant performance against the Eagles causing multiple fumbles. So the Cowboys can have turnovers. They've shown that they can cause turnovers and help set up their offense. And I think that's important to look at. You also have on the side of Buffalo, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, you got Terrell Bernard, you got Vaughn Miller, Taron Johnson, all those guys on the Buffalo Bills defense can also make plays. So I think it's going to come down to what defense is going to show up and put their stamp on this game because if one of these defenses can say, hey, look at us, we're going to help our offense in short field, setting them up at midfield, or just getting them In a good field position because this game is going to come down to the field position game. And when you play the field position game and you're constantly getting good starting position. Whether it's at the 40 yard line, the 50, the other 40. Or just somewhere along the lines of good field position. You usually can win the game because if you're not starting your drives constantly at the 20, 25, 15, 10 yard line. And you can win the field position game. You are setting your team up for success whether that is on defense or on offense, you got to play the field position game. Even if you start a drive at the 20 and you don't get quite too over the 40, at least try to get to the 50 and play the field position game. Field position is going to be important in a game like this, especially with the Buffalo Bills needing to win this game in a packed AFC. And if they can win this game, with the field position, with dominant offensive play, with defensive play that's dominant, the Buffalo Bills have a lot of hope. A lot of hope. And Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, they should look to win this game and really give this team not just spark of hope, but a lot of hope. Because this is the Buffalo Bills' best chance this year to make it to a Super Bowl. But that is going to wrap it up for the Keith matchups of week 15 the top three matchups of week 15 to keep an eye out for up next we are going to discuss the Draymond Green situation and how that will look for the Golden State Warriors as he's been suspended indefinitely so we're going to take a look at that coming up next on Skinner Sports Network stay tuned Back to Skinner Sports Network now we're on to segment two talking about the Draymond Green situation now what's crazy about this is he just came off a four or five game suspension and then after that he got into a situation where he swings and hits Yusuf Nurkic in the face it was an interesting clip to watch because he's back in the slash posting down Yusuf Nurkic and then like has his jersey held but I I don't know it's a weird situation but he swings around and hits Yusuf Nurkic in the face and it was just time for the NBA to say I've had enough you're a concern safety concern to the players in the NBA right now we're gonna have to suspend you indefinitely and that is the right move for the NBA to do right now you have to look out for the concern and safety of your players and make sure they are in the best situation so they can just play the game of basketball. And what's interesting about this is this is not Draymond Green's first time doing it. No. It it's it's multiple things he's done over time. Choking Rudy Gobert. Remember back in the playoffs when Draymond Green and the Warriors played the Thunder, kicking Steven Adams in the nuts. And other stupid stuff like this hitting Yusuf Nurkic in the face. And it's time the NBA stepped in. If the suspension isn't going to work, you have to say, we're going to suspend you indefinitely. And we need to put you in a better situation to better yourself as a person. I heard today on NBA uh, XM that uh, in an article, Draymond Green put this in a way to say, that he watched a clip of what he did against Rudy Gobert and it seemed like he just blacked out and didn't know what he was doing or he said he held on for too long or longer than he thought. And that's concerning because if you're getting angry and you or you're just you get mad in a situation and you're holding on for too long or doing too much, that's putting players at risk of a stupid situation. Like player safety is great for what the NBA is doing and taking a player out the game right now, allowing him to get help, especially it seems like probably anger management help. I'm not going to speculate, but that's what people think after multiple situations of what he's done this season and other seasons. It seems like situations have finally added up. And Steph Curry talked to the media, so did Steve Kerr, and these tweets I'm going to read are from nba reporter she is on espn she is a part of the nba today in nba countdown but steph curry and steve kerr had some things to say about the draymond situation steph curry said um, the conversations yesterday were he can't keep doing what he's been doing he knows that we know that everybody knows that i think the tone has changed from any other suspension and Curry added that his role is to be a friend and support, which is the right thing for Steph Curry to do. Steph Curry for being a friend, it's important that he's there for Draymond right now. And it's it's important that Draymond figures this situation out. Choking Gobert, the Jordan Poole punch from last year, just a lot is added up to the point where it was time for the NBA to do something. I think what Steph Curry can do to help out this situation is to be a supportive teammate, help Draymond out in any situation, and be a good teammate. Steph Curry has always been a good teammate, always trying to be there and support and help teammates out in times of need or just times where they're struggling. And Steph Curry's not only just one of the greatest point guards in the NBA and in NBA history, he's up there with Magic Johnson, but he is... A great teammate. I've never really heard bad things about Steph Curry. I always hear really good things about him helping the teammates out, always bringing good vibes to the locker room, and that's important for what Steph Curry is doing. He's trying to help his boy Draymond out, and that's good. That's being a supportive teammate, and when you're a great teammate, that always can help other teammates that are struggling or in these situations like Draymond is. And then on top of that, you look over at Steve Kerr, and he says, It's about more than basketball. It's about helping Draymond, the one who choked Rudy, the one who punched Jordan last year. That's the guy who needs to change. And I think it's time that Draymond Green looks at himself and says, how can I help fix the situation? How can I better myself and not be in stuff like this? But I think what is interesting is that Curry and and Steve Kerr, like, no Draymond needs to be better. And they know he can't be doing this stuff. And they're right. What Draymond was doing, it's stupid. You can't come off a suspension of four to five games and then come and do something like that. Because you're basically giving the middle finger to the league and saying, yeah, that suspension wasn't enough. But now you end up suspended indefinitely, which... For the Warriors does not help right now. And that's where you get to the question was, what does this mean for the Warriors? What does it mean long term? Because when you look at the starting five in the bench for the Warriors, now without Draymond Green, you got Curry, you got Clay, Andrew Wiggins. They'll probably put Jonathan Kaminga at power forward, or you can always switch up Kaminga and Wiggins. And then you'll have Kavon Looney at center. And then off the bench, Chris Paul, Moses Moody, Dario Saric, Usman Garaba, and Corey Joseph. And the bench gets gets a little thin. And I think if Draymond's not back within a month or two or in a good amount of time, I think the Warriors will have to make a move at the trade deadline to better their bench a little bit because they have some good pieces. But what doesn't help their cause is they're 10 and 13 right now. That's probably changed since this video. But they are... um fighting for a play in spot right now. And the play in spots are filled by teams like the Houston Rockets who have surprised a lot of people this year. They recently added Fred Van Vliet. They added Dylan Brooks. They added a lot of good pieces on top of the Jalen Green. And they've surprised a lot of people. You got a team like the LA Clippers who traded for James Harden. And they have Kawhi and Paul George and they have Highland bones and um you got the team like the Pelicans who got a little bit of Zion drama but the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram and Jose Alvarado they've done some good stuff this year and then on top of that you got the Suns team with Bradley Beal you have Kevin Durant, Grayson Allen, Devin Booker just a good Suns team and to have to fight through those four teams to get into the play-in right now It doesn't help when you have your best player, defensive player too, who knows how to get into other teams' heads, being out right now, especially when the bench looks a little thin with Draymond gone, and who knows when Draymond's coming back. Could be a month, could be two months, could be in a couple weeks. We shall see what the NBA does and what they do with Draymond. It's going to be an interesting situation So if Draymond doesn't come back and you get to the trade deadline, you might have to make a couple moves to better the team to help fill the void of Draymond Green. And that's what the situation looks like right now is you don't know when Draymond's going to be back, so you kind of have to put in the back of your mind, where are we going to be in the next couple months? Because that's important, especially if you're trying to win another championship with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And you have those two guys that, you build around that were a part of the main three of Green, Curry, and Clay. That was their big three that they drafted. So it's important to see what the Warriors are gonna look like with without Draymond and to see what their plan is if he's not back within a certain amount of time. If he's out for the season, you really have to consider the trade deadline of making moves to better the team because the team without Draymond just Doesn't look as strong as teams like the Suns, Pelicans, Clippers, the Rockets. Even if the Warriors make it in, then you got to play those teams. And then you got to face teams like the Nuggets, the Lakers. You got the surprising team in the Timberwolves who are dominating the NBA right now. So the Warriors have a tough outlook right now. And we'll see what they do as this Draymond situation continues. And I'm interested to see how the NBA handles this. Not just now, but how long this indefinite suspension is. And if this is going to be an example, how do other players look at it? And what do they do if they're in this situation? I think it's important to really look at this in a widespread bubble than just, oh, it's just Draymond. What happens if you have younger players come into the league and start doing this and then they end up in this situation? How are players going to realistically look at this and be like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. So it's important to see how this situation plays out in the end. Up next, we are going to be talking about Jalen Milrow returning to the Alabama Crimson Tide for his 2024 season, his senior season. We're going to look at their schedule, look at the recruits they got coming in, and we'll see what their possible season could look like for the Alabama Crimson Tide and what that could look like for next season. Coming up next on Skinner Sports Network. Welcome back to the final segment of Skinner Sports Network. Now, recently, Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow announced that he will be returning for the 2024 college football season, which is a good news for Alabama, honestly, because outside of Jalen Milrow, there's a couple questions about Ty Simpson and what he might be able to do. But when looking at the 2024 Bama schedule, you're going to start out with Western Kentucky Then you're going to move on to University of Southern Florida. Now those two games don't jump off the page, but here's where it starts to get good. You're going to have a bye, but then you take on Georgia. Then you're going to take on Vanderbilt, who isn't really that strong, but then you get to South Carolina. You get to Tennessee, Missouri, LSU, Skip Mercer, because that's not really a big game. Oklahoma because now Oklahoma and Texas are now part of the SEC which is really going to be interesting honestly to see Texas and Oklahoma transferring their teams to the SEC. I think they're going to have some good competition between Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama. Just a lot of good teams to play and it's going to be interesting to see how they stack up against the SEC teams because they haven't really played much competition. They're coming from the Big 12, and that's where they face teams like Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Kansas. That's just some examples of the teams they faced in the Big 12. But now you go from that to LSU, South Carolina, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, a bunch of really good teams that consistently play good and are in a competitive division year in, year out. So... It'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma fares out against Alabama. And then Alabama and Jalen Milrow will finish out the 2024 season versus Auburn, the Iron Bull. So that will be fun to watch. But take out Western Kentucky, Southern Florida, Vanderbilt, and Mercer. Alabama's definitely got some tough games. You're going to Wisconsin, and then you have Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, Auburn at home, and then also you got to go on the road against Tennessee this year. You got to go to LSU this year and play in that environment. You're playing Oklahoma in their stadium, which should be interesting. I'm excited to see how Jalen Milrow will fare out as the Alabama quarterback in the 2024 season. Unfortunately for him, he's most likely he's going to lose... Somebody like Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKintree, J.C. Latham um, definitely to the first round because those are some first round talents in the NFL draft. So they will definitely lose them to the NFL draft. You're also going to lose players like Malachi Moore, possibly Terry Arnold, defense and Lyman, Justin Oboegbe. And you're also going to lose someone like Damon Payne and Chris Braswell. You could also possibly lose someone like Isaiah Bond plays receiver for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He made his statement this year in a couple games making a couple key plays. Look at the Auburn game. 4th and 31 comes up with the key catch to help Alabama stay alive for the college football playoffs. Him and Jalen Milrow also connected on a drive that helped Alabama win the SEC championship. Him and Milroe just went down the field together in key moments third downs just when they needed to play those two connected well that could affect Jalen Milrow to start the season not having that reliable guy if Isaiah Bond does not return but if Bond returns him and Milrow should light it up next year another player that's possible to lose is Jermaine Burton He played wide receiver too. He's a senior. He might be out and be going to the NFL draft. So that should be interesting to watch out for. But you should have Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice at wide receiver if they tend to stay. I'm thinking that will help Jalen Milrow out as he comes back for the 2024 season. They might also have Roydell Williams staying for another year he was crucial for Alabama as he helped back up Jace McClellan Jace McClellan was a great running back for Alabama they're gonna lose him to the draft most likely and having Roydell Williams as a veteran is gonna help Alabama out a lot as you have new players coming in From five stars to four stars to three stars. New recruits coming in to help fill out the spots that a lot of these veterans will be leaving to go to the NFL draft. So that will be interesting to watch. Now I know this segment was shorter than the last one. But I thought this would be the perfect way to wrap up episode 3 of Skinner Sports Network. I'm your host Nate Skinner. I appreciate the support. Thank you for listening. hope everyone has a blessed day. Have a good one. Peace.